Live Your Heart Out podcast, a show for wild hearts, change makers, and soulpreneurs. Together, we dive deep into the exploration of what it means to live a meaningful life. I'm your host, Connie Bozowski, and I hope you're ready to live your magic. Hey sisters and brothers, what's up friends? This is Connie from Live Your Heart Out and I just wanted to um, do this little intro to let you know of a couple of things um, that I created and uh, because I don't want you to miss out on cool stuff that I'm doing. So number one, I opened a Facebook group. It's the, the Live Your Heart Out official Facebook group. I pulled the trigger, I did it. Um, it's been open for a few days now, maybe a week. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's such a cool space. We have an amazing group of people. I mean, I am surprised myself with this one, that move, because um, I was contemplating it for quite a while and uh, wasn't quite sure whether it was the right thing to do. But you know what? Now, <laughs> having this baby open for a few days and seeing all these beautiful people introducing themselves, making themselves vulnerable, um, helping themselves, supporting each other, it's just been so beautiful to watch and observe and, and also um, be engaged in. So I really, really deeply from the heart invite you to come over, join our Facebook group um, and be part of the tribe because this is not just about me this is this is about you the tribe the community the family and i want you guys to connect to each other and um yeah so going over to liveyourheartout.co slash facebook group or just go over to facebook and search for live your heart <laughs> live your heart out the tribe that's what the group is called and i'll see you over there introduce yourself with a photo or a video people have been really brave and um made videos introducing themselves so yeah really really cool it's a very safe safe space um very respectful there's no egos so you can just be exactly who you are awesome and the second thing is that i created a really cool resource um, because i want to help more people find their calling and i created a video guide and a little workbook and um, it's basically all around nine questions that you need to ask yourself to find your calling and i explain everything in the video and kind of guide you through those questions in the workbook and it's a really cool resource i've been getting really uh, beautiful feedback and so if you want to have access to that just head on over to liveyourheartout.co slash calling and uh, yeah just sign up and um, you will immediately then receive it for free it's totally free there's no strings attached um, you'll receive that in your inbox so head on over to liveyourheartout.co slash calling i'll also put it in the show notes to this episode and again the facebook group live your heart out the tribe if you search for it on facebook or go to liveyourheartout.co slash facebook group and i'll see you over there and now um enjoy my interview with my friend jonathan i am super happy and stoked to have jonathan on the call today and um yeah we're gonna have a little little conversation a little interview for uh, the next hour or so. Um, Jonathan and I, we met um, last year in September at the Dr. Joe Dispenser Advanced Workshop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we kind of got talking and kind of hung out quite a bit. And um, we had some interesting exchanges, didn't we, Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I reckon I, I remember the moment when you walked in. Oh, to, really? Yeah, it's into the 900 person you know, hall that we were all sitting. I was like, that's an interesting looking person. <laughs> we ended up sitting down right in front and then we had this Bali connection and then it just kept going from there. Yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. So I'm really happy about that connection. And um, I've ju I just got, after talking to you, I was quite immediately impressed with um, your dedication to wanting to explore consciousness and your body and, and healing modalities and all of that stuff. And I felt like we were on the same page in the way that uh, we get very uh, 
passionate and obsessed with things in life. And, uh, and I kind of felt that with you a lot. And, um, but anyway, thank you so much for um, taking the time and for being here today. So welcome to the Live Your Heart Out podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah, cool. So let me introduce a little bit more and then we'll dive into your kind of story and your journey. But Jonathan is a yoga teacher in San Francisco. You've been studying and practicing and teaching yoga for like 20 years or something crazy. Um, you run yoga teacher trainings. Um, you studied with a lot of teachers in the realms of primordial sound meditation, Vipassana meditation, Ayurveda, Taekwondo, all sorts of stuff. Um, you experienced in sound healing and music therapy, which is awesome. And then the um, you kind of apparently, and I'm sure you're going to go into this a bit more, you had a bit of, bit of a burnout and then explored more in the realms of functional medicine, quantum health and biochemistry, which leads me to what you also do, this big project of yours, which is called Quantum Yoga. Um, and as it says also on your website, it's a comprehensive system of health that can help you increase energy, sleep deeper, decrease stress, and have more joy. <laughs> and um, you run a podcast that's named Quantum Yoga, and uh, people can check it out at quantum.yoga not just the podcast, but everything else, obviously, about you. And you're a dad. I remember when we met in September, you were just a dad. You were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's going to happen soon. Got six weeks. <laughs> And uh, so congratulations to that. looks amazing. Yeah. I saw it on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, you just, I feel like overall a pretty badass kind of man. So here yeah. we are. <laughs> I hope Thank you. I, I got the, the basics right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So obviously there's a lot to talk about. And uh, the first thing just to get this started is to share a little bit about your journey. I've mentioned a lot of stuff that you did and um, where, how did you end up where you are today as a yoga teacher, someone who explores, you know, um, yourself um, all over uh, and really deeply and yeah, what has been um, your path? Tell us, Jonathan. Uh, so the, the teaching piece kind of started for me, I think, around 2000, somewhere around 2004, I was doing a lot of music production stuff and inside and late nights and 12, 14 hour days behind a desk, you know, doing that thing. And, and the only thing that was kind of keeping me tethered to a natural life was a, a yoga practice that I inevitably, uh, or I should say it was sort of, it just happened because of one of my clients that I was working with. And it was part of the gig to kind of do this yoga and work for this client at the same time. And, and I just was starting to get really, uh, just not feeling well. I, mean, I didn't have any big, you know, big symptoms or pathologies or anything like that. Just not really feeling all that great. And I was kind of in this moment of where like most musicians are where they are just trying to figure out how to get the next gig, the next check, the next, how they're going to get the next thing going so they can keep going. And it was too much. It was just a little bit too much. I needed more stability. I was starting to feel fried and not inspired anymore by the work. And I had this moment where I just didn't, really quite know what to do with myself and uh, my teacher at the time said hey well, I got this teacher training you should try it and um, it's actually somebody who I think you may have crossed paths with in Bali at some point because Les Leventhal who oh, was yeah, teaching yeah, yeah. Uh, of course yes. I know. I've, I've uh, attended his classes at the yoga barn in Bali yeah so he he's the guy he I went through his teacher training oh, and awesome Yeah. And, and it just kind of continued to grow. And one of the things he said to me that I tell all my students now, and it's always been true is the moment you're done teaching, you have to start. I mean, well, you're done training to how to teach. You have to start teaching. <laughs> you just have to go out there and do it. And, yeah. and so I did, and you know, I fell on my face for six months or so. And, uh, and then eventually started to get traction. And then I met my wife and she just, she was really helpful because she went to every single class and I debrief with her after every class. And, and I took the same OCD mentality that I have applied to some of the other things we're going to talk about later. And I applied that to teaching. And so, um, 
And then it just kept evolving and I just wasn't really thinking big picture. It was kind of more next steps. And uh, then it led me to where I am now and kind of a continued growth into, into uh, just expanding consciousness and evolving and in all, in all ways. And so I should probably say that halfway into this journey, I got really serious about my, my physical practice, the asana practice and advancing that. And I was studying anatomy and studying biomechanics and movement and um, getting and training a lot, many, many hours. And I wasn't taking care of myself uh, Mm -hmm. physically, you know, I wasn't sleeping right. I wasn't eating right. I was doing everything wrong. And, uh, I was at this time, I was like in my late twenties. So I kind of wasn't really paying attention to, uh, you know, when you're in your twenties, you don't really think about your health. You just kind of do life. Right. So, uh, at a certain point after a couple of years, it just caught up with me and I had this massive burnout, like a, you know, full on like quote adrenal fatigue, which is essentially just um, you know, you've overstressed your adrenals. It's just an over state of overstress mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of things started happening. My gut stopped working properly. Uh, you know what? I couldn't sleep. You know, that was the thing that I needed to do most of. And I, I could not sleep. I, I was like, exhausted, but unable to fall asleep. And when I would sleep, it'd be sporadic and light. And, and then my, all my hormone levels started to go down and I just started to feel like crap and it was really hard to function and it was hard to be around for other people. And, uh, that's what led me into figuring out how to put myself back together again. Mm-hmm. And the, the, we'll say the, the, the optimization health recovery aspects of what I'm doing at quantum yoga now. Mm, yeah. Wow. So essentially, um, it took, it took a, obviously a burnout. It took some sort of crisis in your life, um, to go deeper and look into to healing yourself and, um, to, to kind of explore, um, your body more and your consciousness and to, to get really healthy. And, um, how, so how long ago was this now when you had your burnout? Oh, uh, maybe around maybe eight years ago, Mm, seven years ago, something like that. And since then, it's really just been a continuous sort of um, exploration, like a a journey into, or did you take breaks in between? Yeah, well, well, so it's interesting. It's a different kind of work. You know, the work to recover is a different, it's still effort because you're doing something new in a way, you know I mean? If you only orient yourself to tasking and working and doing things, doing nothing in a way is work because you are retraining your mind Mm. how to do something different. And, and there was a point where I, I crossed the threshold went, Oh, okay. I'm stable. I'm good. I'm actually improving. Like can actually work on improving and performance. Mm -hmm. And, now I'm at this point where I'm sort of asking like, what, what is, what is age related decline? Mm. Am I actually at my optimal level for my age and my gender? Right. Or, or am I, do I still, or is there more to, is there more to do? Like, is there more to do? And I, I have a few benchmarks of which I measure that, you know, some of them are like, you know, how many press handstands in a row can I do? Like mm. dumb stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then other metrics are, you know, hormone panels and biophoton measurements and heart rate variability and telomere testing and mm. et cetera, et cetera. There's other ways to look at it, but I'm kind of, this is always a question that I have mm-hmm. and we'll see if it's an even relevant question in a couple of years for me. I don't know. Right now it's relevant, but it may not be when I'm figuring out what school to put my daughter into and, you know, how to take care of all that stuff. Right, right, right. So, all right, let's, let's go back first. So you had your burnout and then you started to explore. You're like, okay, how can I get better? How can I, you know, get healthier again? How can I improve my moods and um, my energy levels and all of that stuff? Um, which then obviously eventually led to you exploring even further, but more in terms of your performance or longevity or whatever. Right. Um, mm. But uh, so, but that first phase, um, how, what did you start exploring um, or experimenting with, I shall say, and um, what really helped you back then? Yeah, my well, so you know, kind of what most people do is they go to the doctor, 
right? And so that's what I did. But instead of going the conventional route, I haven't ever really been a conventionalist. So mm -hmm. I went to a naturopath and the, that gave me like maybe a few clicks of help in the right direction, but not much. Mm -hmm. And then it was became this little bit exploration of what's now called functional medicine, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. I think there's kind of interesting things going on in there. How do you define yeah. functional medicine? I don't think... Well, I, so I don't practice functional medicine, yeah. so I, I don't know. I think they, they, they self-define it. I'm just, I don't yeah. know. I'm not a functional medicine doctor, so don't freak out if somebody's <laughs> listening is a functional medicine doctor, uh, is they self-define it as a, a more of a holistic medical diagnostic and, you know, getting to the root cause of things. But honestly, I don't see yeah. that root cause of things happening because the, the lens at which most of pretty much all medicine, doesn't matter how you term it, looks at things is biochemistry. Mm -hmm. And that's about the, the, as small of a scale as is looked at as possible in medicine, is biochemistry. Mm -hmm. And anything, there's nothing smaller than that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's kind of, that's all there is. is we're just a bag of biochemicals and this <laughs> machine like body walking around. And I don't know where this voice of Jonathan's coming from to talk to the voice of Connie. I don't know where that's coming from. Consciousness is kind of like this annoying phenomenon that's occurring that no one can explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, if that answered your question or not. I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> no, it's just, kind of rambling. the question was, what is functional medicine? It's just because it's, it's thrown around so much. Mm. And um, I feel yeah. like not everybody knows what it actually is. Um, yeah, so, so what ends up happening in this world is that it is broader than conventional. If you were to go to your GP and you said that you were tired, you know, uh, the GP may not have any answer for you or here's a pill you know, here's a pharmaceutical, take, this will take care of you and go on your way. If you're not broken, like clinically broken in the conventional sense, then they're not going to do anything for you. At least in functional medicine, they're going to try to find something that you can work on. Like here's some sleep hygiene rules to follow. And here are maybe some herbs or some supplements to take. And we can do this gut test and check your stool for this stuff. And we can do this pee test and check your organic acids for this. And so that's kind of like functional medicine like that. Okay. So you went to a functional medicine doctor or naturopath or something back then to kind of, you know, sort yourself out. And then what went, what happened then? Uh, a ton of testing. I mean, that's what inevitably happens. A whole bunch of different tests happen. And then the data is tried to get correlated and, and it was just a nominal, it was like nominally helpful. But what I, what was the biggest help for me and the whole thing, and we'll just use my sleep as sort of, that was always my, my marker for how well I'm improving in this mm -hmm. whole process is how long am I sleeping? How deep am I sleeping? How refreshed do I feel in the morning? And therefore, how well am I able to perform, whether that's cognitively or physically in my day as a result of the quality of my sleep. And, and uh, the biggest the biggest thing to help me in that whole, that whole sort of few year search was just getting really clear on circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. circadian alignment, monitoring my light inputs, doing just the super basics of first thing in the morning, going out and getting sunlight indirectly in my eyes, putting my bare feet on the earth and getting grounded getting my circadian clock set through the mechanisms of blue light and cortisol and et cetera, et cetera, that happens. And then at night being very strict about the amount of blue light going into my eye. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, literally within, and back then at this time I was like really, I was doing a lot of sun gazing. And mm -hmm. so within three days, within three days, my whole circadian clock was turned around and wow. I was like tired like yeah. actually tired and ready to fall asleep 90 minutes after the lights went off. Wow. And Maybe would fall asleep right away. Yeah, well, sun gazing is like half of it, right? So that's the morning half where you're stimulating the 
uh, hormonal system and the nervous system into doing what it should be doing during the day and telling your body it's daytime. And, and then the other half of it is actually removing the certain frequencies of light, particularly blue and green, within 90 minutes. Because if you do that, then your body's going to release melatonin and then you'll get drowsy. And it's, an, it's, a, it's crazy when you have sleep problems that it could be that simple to fall asleep. But we have this evolutionary design. You know, it's, it's, it's strange. If you live in the city and you're in modern life, it's strange to think that it, we're that tied to nature and we really are. And so that was putting me to sleep right away. And I was getting up without an alarm clock every morning at exactly the same time and have been ever since. And then it just became a matter of uh, focusing on deep sleep and getting this deep, deep sleep. Yeah. yeah, wow. So, okay, just a, a couple of follow-up questions here. So sun gazing, for those that are not quite familiar with, with that, I mean, yeah, it sounds easy. You just kind of gaze at the sun, but actually it's a little bit more. Um, uh, so you basically get up uh, for sunrise. Is that what you did? And then? Yeah. So, okay, first I should, I should probably say, you know, like this is one of those things that uh, sun gazing was amazing for me. And I think there's some really powerful esoteric things that are happening with sun gazing beyond just the biophysics of it and the biochemistry of it. Uh, but it's not for everybody and you got to use common sense when you do it. And I didn't tell you to do it. Okay. So I'm not taking responsibility for you. You're taking responsibility for you. That's for the viewer, the listener. Of course. And, um, but there's some things, there's some like basic things that a person needs to do. So what is sun gazing? So it's actually looking directly at the sun with, within 15 to 20 minutes of it rising. And the closer to the rise of it, the better. Because the, the, the amount of power coming from the sun is the least. And the frequencies that can potentially be damaging are not present. So the further away from the horizon it is, the more potential for danger there is. And, you know, generally most people will look at a sunrise, right? When it goes beyond the ocean horizon, right? Or right when it goes over the mountains. It's about the same kind of light power and frequency as the rise, as the sunset. So, I mean, you just got to be grounded with your bare feet on earth and you got to have a lot of water in your system and you have to be happy. You got to have a lot of DHA in your system, which is uh, an omega-3 fatty acid and people, you get that from eating seafood. Um, but I use it. I'm going to give this guy a plug. He's got a great product. His name is Matt Blackburn. He's got a, a company called Mito Life and he makes a vegan wild strain DHA that is clean and it's it's verified to be in this SN2 position and there's three positions that DHA can be in when it's in a seafood format it is in the SN2 position which allows it to enter your nervous system your brain and your retina where it needs to go and it's a it's a transducer so it takes photons which is basically light energy and transduces it into a DC electric current, which our body uses for powering all kinds of systems and organs and tissues and glands. And having enough of that's really important. Otherwise, you're just not going to harness those photons and you could potentially get some burnout. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I use his product because it's clean mm -hmm. and, it's, uh, and it's in the SN2 position and almost all supplements are not in that SN2 position through its refinement. Through the refinement of it. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. Since it's vegan and everything. Cool. Awesome. Um, all right. And then, so you got your sleep under control um, through kind of really getting down in your circadian rhythm and everything. And I just wanted to also add, because you mentioned it, you know, how we're so like as city dwellers, people who spend most of their life in, in the city and in urban environments, living in a house with a lot of artificial lightning and all of that stuff. And just how that removes us from really how we really are um, as a human being, as a human species. And I noticed this, um, over and over and over again, um, having traveled so much and lived a lot in tropical countries where you spend most of your life outside. The only, 
um, the only time you go inside is when you sleep. And so let's say, for example, in Bali, where I've spent um, a lot of time in the last three years, we, you know, our kitchen, our living room, everything is basically outside. And uh, I only went um, into my room when I when I went to sleep and and so my body was so in tune with nature and with the sunrise and the sunset and uh I mean it was just beautiful I'd wake up every morning with the sunrise I didn't have anything I didn't have to do anything for that and then every night I'd get tired like about an hour or two after the sunset and I'd go to sleep early like at maybe you know nine o'clock or something and, and get up early at like 5 30 or so and that just felt so good and I I always had the best sleep in these sort of environments you know the deepest sleep I'd wake up feeling super awesome and and energetic and uh yeah, it's it's really something to reflect on. <laughs> that, uh, especially this whole artificial lightning situation. Now that I'm back in the in the states right now, uh, I stay up so much longer uh, working um, on my laptop because you know, for one, uh, there's artificial lights, and obviously I, I have good internet um, at home, um, so I don't have to go anywhere. But uh, yeah, and that changes everything. Now I get up later, I go to sleep later, and I sl it's, it's a different way of being, a different way of sleeping. And so yeah, anyway, just, uh, just to add that, so I fully agree. Um, and so you, you, you got your sleep sorted out pretty quickly. Um, and then what happened next? Um, what was the next? So uh, well, so this, so just to you know to paint the picture, this was like kind of a this was a multi year project. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of going we're going through. It was a lot of experimenting that was going on with getting the sleep under control a lot. And uh, I just want to say a couple more points about it mm -hmm. because people will say, well, why don't I just take melatonin or that can help and. Um, or sleeping pills or, you know, that can help. And that's really common just to take a pill and you don't feel, you know, you just need to get there faster. Yeah. Well, melatonin is a hormone like every other hormone. And the hormonal system is a feedback system. And if the, if the, the hormonal system is getting a feedback that there are high amounts of that hormone, then the glands that make those hormones slow down their production of the hormone because it's the feedback system. Mm -hmm. And so if you do that long enough, introducing exogenous hormones into your system, then your glands that are producing those hormones that you're putting in exogenously, they'll just basically stop producing. Yeah. They're like, oh, I don't need to produce. Yeah. Right. It's getting a signal that it's already there. Mm -hmm. And you'll be in this situation where you're stuck relying on those things for way longer than you're going to want to. So that's the, that's the issue with that. And the other is that, you know, the supplemental melatonins are hundreds and sometimes thousands of times stronger in a single dose than what your body makes in one night of sleep. Right. Right. So, you know, it's 300 micrograms on average for an adult making melatonin in their pineal gland. And it's three milligrams in an average dose of melatonin that's a thousand times more and can you met so you're just slamming uh, your body with a thousand times more in this feedback system it's gonna get disrupted pretty quickly wow and, yeah and, and also regarding you know an ambient or whatever the sleeping med is to get to sleep is that if you were to uh put an eeg cap on somebody and look at their brain as they are as they're sleeping with that ambient, you're, you're not going to see proper sleep architecture. You're not going to see the brain doing what it should be doing if you were sleeping. And why is that relevant? Why is that important? Because you're not going to get growth hormone release the mm. way that you should. You're not going to have cellular repair the way that you should. You're not going to have REM and memory consolidation the way that you should. You're not going to cognitively perform or physically perform the next day as well as you would if you were getting a real night's sleep. So if you're using it as a patch, a short-term patch, it's not a big deal. But if you're trying, if you're like relying upon it, to get your sleep then something is something under the surface needs to be looked at mm, yeah with melatonin um i fully agree and um 
I guess people think that, oh, it's better than taking sleeping pills, you know? And uh, I mean, I take melatonin. The, the only time I take it is when I, when I travel long distance, you know, and it does really help me in a matter of a few days. You know, I'm adjusted to the, the new time zone, um, especially going from like Asia to the United States or something crazy with like 14 hour time differences. Um, and but, you know, is it always like that, that people like to take pills rather than actually going deeper into the source of their problems and the amount of people that I know that have that suffer from insomnia or sleeping problems or whatnot um, it's crazy or the people that suffer from anything really uh, let it be their gut let it be you know whatever issues skin issues whatever who just kind of uh, and, and they might not even know better but they just kind of put the cream on take the pill antidepressants I mean it's the best fucking example um, and I have a real issue with antidepressants um, and uh, and then that's it. And no one's really educated enough. In most people, for, I think for most people, it's just—it's not even knowing. It's just ignorance. It's just not—they just don't know better. Um, the amount of people that I tell, hey, did, that have you know suffer from apparent depression and take antidepressants, and I tell them, how's your gut doing? And they're like, yeah, it's not so good. I'm like, ever thought about the connection between your gut and your brain? <laughs> and and mm-hmm. no, no one has. You know, it's not something we we kind of um, are educated with. Uh, but I can just go on and on. So let's just stick to uh, to the sleep stuff. Um, so, okay. So you experimented with all sorts of stuff for mm. a period of time. And also, because uh, we were just talking about in the beginning with the pyramid that's behind you, you, all, um, you also, oh, tell me yeah. about the pyramid again that you actually tried out for sleeping and what, what that was all about. Yeah, well, so I was getting some, I was getting, I've been interested in exploring pyramids and their effects for a while. So as on the podcast, I've interviewed a few people that have actually run studies on things uh, involving pyramids, the effect of pyramids on bean sprout growth over a period of six or eight weeks. And, you know, bean sprouts grown outside a pyramid, inside a pyramid with loving intention being set to the bean sprouts. And it's amazing what you, what's going on. The Russians did a lot of research on pyramids in the nineties. They have, I don't know how many, this, I don't even want to throw a number out cause I'll be wrong, but many pyramids that were put all over the country that are 72 degree angle pyramids, which is the one that's behind me. It's a Nubian pyramid. So there, there are pyramids in uh, former Nubia in Sudan that are 72 degrees rather than the 51 degree Giza pyramid. Mm-hmm. And they have different effects. They affect the body differently. It said that the Nubians affect the the pi, or the third eye. That's kind of where they tend to resonate the energy and focus energies on the third eye. So if you're looking for more visual, clairvoyant experience, that's a good place to go. But it's also very stimulating. So it's not intended for sleeping. And if Giza, which is 51 degrees, is more tempered for sleeping. It's a gentler energy, less stimulating, and is, has a tendency to resonate at the heart level, uh, which is a good energy to be in when you're going to sleep. And so I've had, you know, I have this GDV camera, the gas discharge visualization. It's a uh, uh, it's, it measures biophotons out of the fingertips. And so I've mean, seen major, major increases of energy uh, sleeping under this pyramid, uh, meditating under this pyramid, uh, position moving, movement of the chakras uh, me- as measured with GDV being in this pyramid mm-hmm. and kind of talking to other people. So I'm working with a guy now to design specially, uh, uh, special capstones that are filled with all kinds of crystals that are working at many times. It's far out stuff. I don't quite get it yet. I'm, I'm still trying to learn. But um, So I had one for sleep. And one of the things that it definitely did for me was made my dreams very, very vivid, very, very vivid. And almost to the point where it was a little troublesome going, like I couldn't sleep enough as I was sleeping like half of what I wanted to be sleeping because my dreams became so real and vivid that I, I was like, yeah, 
a little too much for the nighttime, a little too much. So I, so I just get, all right, I'm just going to meditate under it. That is enough right now. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'll get back to the, the sleeping one. Got it. So now the one in the back there, you use that uh, regularly to meditate in? Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Um, and you were also mentioning the GDV, that GDV measurement device, right? Um, yeah. Because that's the same thing that they did at the Dr. Joe Dispenza event last year, no? Yeah, it's the same one. And you, so they did, I don't remember how many people they were scanning for that, but uh, I you know, you, one at a time you insert a finger. Did you, okay, that's right, that's right. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that. So, yeah, so you get to see, basically what happens is uh, you insert your finger into a small box and it's in a small imperceptible uh, electric pulse is sent to your fingertip and as a re your finger reacts to that to that uh, electric pulse and the air around your finger then gets charged and it takes a picture of the air around your finger it takes a lot of pictures of that and based on the location of those photons the density and the area of those photons they parse that information through the meridians on your fingertips and through some very uh, complex algorithms that they developed over the last 30 years are able to see the energy levels that are along the meridian so they can actually see like how's the energy level of your gallbladder or your your ascending colon or the hypothalamus mm -hmm. uh, like that but then it kind of will also give you a readout of chakras and give you a readout of um, sort of emotional tone. Mm -hmm. And they have attachments that like the Sputnik that was being used in the, the dispense workshop can measure the environmental energy and whether that's going up or down that as a result. Fascinating now. Remember? Yeah. It's How really cool. Energy went up even though we weren't in the room or outside meditating. Yeah. It's, it's <sighs> that one. I'm still trying to get my head around. <laughs> He doesn't do these measurements anymore, actually, because I went to his retreat in, in uh, January in Spain, and um, I think he's kind of he's done enough measurements now uh, that he's, he doesn't do that anymore. Um, but you should, uh, by the way, if you ever find the time again, you should totally go to his, uh, another one of his advanced workshops now because they're way more intense. Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All I right. Mean, they are, yeah, he pushes you so much harder. We did, uh, now in January, we did two uh, pineal gland meditations in the last couple of days. Um, two very different ones, actually, as well. And then we did a lot of, like, um, we did healing cages, so a lot more group healing sessions, which was amazing. Um, oh, there, were, there was a lot of stuff that, because now they're, they're a whole week long. And he structures them mm. differently. And now that he doesn't have to do all these measurement stuff that I guess it gives him more space to, to include other um, things in the program. But holy shit. Yeah. I'm going again in, in June, actually, in Mexico. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, man. You should think about it. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, and, and while we're at the topic of Dr. Joe Dispenza, but um, just to kind of... Uh, I don't know, bad segue, but because uh, you obviously w went with me in September and, and what, what would you say was your big, did, what sort of impact did it have on you or that, that retreat, um, the workshop? It was, you know, for, it was a multi-purpose trip for me. Part, you know, there was definitely a personal component where I wanted to do some work. I needed to do a little retreat. I needed to do some meditation and I needed to do some work. And then there was another piece where I was looking at, at because I, 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 I lead retreats. I lead retreats. So I was looking at how is this run? And, you know, from a some professional standpoint that was another market research <laughs> yeah well i in the the thing that struck me from that perspective my god there are 900 people here yeah. that want to sit and meditate yeah it's awesome <laughs> and learn about quantum physics yeah and everyone's so and i'm like looking around everyone is so into this <laughs> they're into it i can't I just, I, that which is astounding me the entire time yeah. i was very frustrated with the the uh the open focus 
I just wasn't getting it. I was really frustrated. And I he would. says like, wait, what did you say? Uh, like feel into the space around this, in this space, around the space, around your body and all that. Yeah. And I'm, I would, I actually almost was ready to leave. Mm. I like, had this moment of freak out. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to basically waste my time here for the next two days. I might as well just go home. I just freak out one night after the second day or something like that. And the morning, the next morning, I happened to just, I woke up on times fair, whatever, I'll go over. This was the first time we were outside, you know, doing the walking meditation mm. and boom, something happened. It was an amazing setting though too, hey, like sunrise and the fucking mountainous desert. <laughs> And it was, it was this very strange, but profound, physical, palpable, electric kind of vibrating, my body vibrating and just this total overwhelm of the energy of love, totally overwhelmed by it, totally overwhelmed by it. I mean, and, and I thought, my, my God, this, what, in, what just happened, but whatever it is, I want more. And the next day it happened again to during one of the meditations and it's been happening almost every time I sit since then. No way. And it's not, not for as long, not for as long and not as intensely, but uh, there's a moment where it's almost as if the path has been paved and it's easy or and easier to get back there and so it's almost possible to to it intentionally activate that which is made me start to go well i need to learn this open focus thing so i went and got certified in open focus no way um i went and got uh trained by heart math and oh wow that's amazing man that's who joe dispenza also works with just to clarify yeah and I got the 24-hour monitor of heart rate variability. I use that with my clients now. And I learned awesome. the heart lock-in and all their techniques. Wow. And uh, now where it's kind of led me to is, is uh, neuromeditation. So now I am actually... Uh, so this is like, I'm, I'm really excited about this. this yeah, and I like, want to I mean, talk about this now too. That's is it, awesome. Is it? Okay. So, <laughs> so basically... Uh, there are a few people in the world of neurofeedback, you know, like Norman et al. from from Joe Dispenza, the German the German crew. So, <laughs> yeah. the there are these people in neurofeedback, the world of neurofeedback. And for listeners that don't know what that is, it's essentially, usually used in a mental health scenario where someone has ADHD or. OCD or something like that and you get a brain map with an EEG and so you're wearing a, a cap with 20 leads on it and they do a five-minute baseline scan of what does your brain look like when you're just sitting there doing nothing with your eyes open and then sitting there doing nothing with your eyes closed and then they compare that map to a database of what's considered normal all right and then once they do that, they're able to create a software program while you're wearing a cap that will train your brain to go in certain directions via feedback. And that feedback can be like watching a video game or a movie. And when your brain does what the software wants it to do, then your little rocket ship goes faster in the video game and you get more volume in your headset. And when your brain doesn't do what the software wants to do, then you go slower in your rocket ship and the volume decreases of the music. Okay. So that's kind of traditional clinical neurofeedback stuff. Well, there's a few people in this world that are, are also meditators and they are thinking, well, well, if we can do that to train people to go towards what's considered normal, can we do that to train people to go to what meditators do when they are having a peak experiences when they're having deep quiet states of mind when they're in mindfulness or when they're in a soft focus and so i've been in communication with a few of these people since since the dispenser retreat mm -hmm. and have been training with some of them 
And so now I'm being trained in a style called neuromeditation. And what this style is essentially based on are the thousands of EEG studies done on long-term meditators, people that have 10,000 plus hours of meditation in a single style. And when you look at enough brains of a particular style, you can say, whoa, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern of what happens when, a, when people do this meditation style. Uh, so loving kindness is an example. And there's a pattern when people do transcendental meditation. And there's a pattern when they do this. And that pattern becomes the neurofeedback software. Mm, right. Wow. And so now you wear a cap and you're getting music as the background. And when your brain is being trained to go towards this is loving kindness, then you get the feedback of more music. Mm. And when it's not, you don't get the feedback. Now, okay, that is cool. But where this rubber really hits the road with this is that if you're just meditating, it could take a few months usually does for most people of sitting for 20, 30 minutes. And we're not talking about guided meditations. We're talking about, you know, like traditional classical meditations, mm -hmm. quiet sitting. Let's say you're practicing, uh, let's say you're practicing TM. So 20, 30 minutes twice a day, a couple months later, then it's the, ah, oh, this is, ah, this is why, I'm doing this, right? But there's a, there's a few months of serious discipline that needs to happen. And you are basically just being encouraged by your meditation teacher to keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's hacking through the weeds of your mind and just continually dealing with the monkey that's in there. And it's a, it's a slog. A lot of people don't have that kind of discipline. <laughs> no, when you do the neurofeedback, you can feel it almost instantaneously. Wow. Almost instantaneously. And you go, whoa, that's loving kindness. Yeah. Or whoa, that's what mindfulness is. And so when you pair the two together, you get there faster. Because now when you go back to your meditation, you have a felt sense reference point. Because mm. you felt it, you know, yeah. right? So now when you go sit, you're not asking, am I doing it right? Yeah. Am I going the right direction? You're not questioning and fumbling that way, which I was fumbling that way in this dispenser thing. I was like, I don't know. Am I focus? I don't know if I am. I'm trying to do what he says. But if you have no reference point, how do you know? Yeah, and that's so, the problem for so many people, no? Like they, they start meditation or whatever. They go to Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat or do it at home or whatever. And, uh, you know, the amount of questions that I get as well. It's like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Am I doing it right? Should I be feeling this? Should it be like that? And, and it's, uh, but yeah, but once you know what that magic needs to feel like, then, then you got it. It's, it's just like cracking that, cracking that code a little bit. Um, and then you can go there over and over again. And you know when you're there and you know when you're not there. <laughs> kind of like that. It's on or off sort of thing. Um, yeah, wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. So now you, so you trained in it. It's called neuromeditation, which is basically hacking meditation. Huh? Just kind of yeah, you could say that. More or efficient, more effective. Yeah, well, yeah. So your one is, uh, one is you're getting there faster. And okay, and so let's just put this to into perspective because like, I, you know, I live in the yoga world and so I'm teaching mostly yoga classes and for some reason everybody thinks that they need to suffer through a whole bunch of crap before they reach enlightenment or whatever that means, right? Whatever, whatever that means. And I've had a few people say, well, isn't that cheating? Mm. Yeah, I've heard that before. Is that cheating? And I think to myself, okay, well... Does that mean you know where the end is? Because <laughs> yeah. we're going to this point and we're done when we get there? I really don't think that that's true. I think there's an infinite amount of possibilities and mindscapes that we can go through. So we're just going further. And instead of starting the same video game over again at, the sa at level one, we're saving Yes. where we've gotten to level five and we restart the game there. Yeah. Like, does that not make sense? Yeah. That makes sense to me. So I fully agree. And I, I feel the same way because, um, 
Yeah, it's funny how, how we're so conditioned that things need to take long and that they need, they, they take, we have to go through suffering or like the same thing. And I had the same thing in my thought actually when I did plant medicine recently, because you know how they say, let it be with ayahuasca or San Pedro or whatever. It's like 10 years of, of um, psychotherapy in one night, you know? And, and, but once you have this experience, it is kind of like that. And then I was thinking, but wait, I mean, wow, the effects are amazing. It's, you know, wow, it was amazing. But is, is, that, is that allowed? <laughs> is this cheating? <laughs> you know, my shaman was like, you know, Connie, you don't have to do 10 years of psychotherapy because we can just sort this out quicker. <laughs> and so, but we still live in this culture where, you know, we, things need to take time. It yeah. takes time to sort out your childhood uh, and all trauma. And it takes time to become enlightened or to, you know, become better or better or whatever that even means at meditation or something. Or, you know, also Jodas Benza said this, says something very similar. He's also like, well, we don't need, it, things don't need to take forever. They don't need to take years, you know, you can do it. You can do it right here, right now. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, it just, yeah, I guess we just need to learn and recondition ourselves, reprogram ourselves. Uh, but how, lo how long have you been back since uh, did you went to Ecuador? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. this is, a, uh, I've been here in the States, uh, I don't know, two, three weeks now. I came straight from there to here. Yeah. Oh, wow. So this is still fresh for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is still quite fresh. Um, I feel like the week or, yeah, like a week or 10 days after the last ceremony, um, I really felt the integration super hard. It's kind of slowed down a bit. What I feel now is just immense energy. Um, I'm just, yeah, fully grounded, uh, full on clarity and just, I'm just go, go, go all day long, basically. Uh, I know what to focus on and uh, my gut has improved so much since then um, and yeah, man, it's been amazing. <laughs> what? So, can you? I, I think you dedicated a whole episode to this already, right? Your experience with that. Yeah, I, that was like just a few days after um, the last ceremony. Yeah, I made a, a YouTube video. Were you working with one plant or multiple plants? This was just San Pedro. He, hmm. uh, because it was a one-on-one -on -one retreat, it was literally just me and him. He likes to use San Pedro because ayahuasca is a very internal experience and usually does um, uses San Pedro with you for the first two ceremonies. And then on the third, depending if you're a really hard nut to crack, he might give you some ayahuasca. But um, we did three San Pedro ceremonies. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'll, if I, right now I don't feel like I need to do ayahuasca, but who knows? Um, but uh, for me, have you done uh, San Pedro or just ayahuasca? Yeah, mm. yeah, I have. Yeah. So, oh, and well, you who's done both, actually, um, can you maybe just a little bit, um, I don't know, share a bit of the differences or? Um... Well, yeah, so, I'll, and I will, uh, you know, with the caveat that I'm not an expert in this, I've had some, ex I have a little bit of experience and, and I've had some, also some experience with peyote and psilocybin, all within ceremonial contexts, mm -hmm. most of which has been with, um, well, actually, it's probably at this point a little bit of, a little bit equally of them all. But it's really hard to explain this to someone who hasn't actually taken the plants, especially in a ceremonial context, uh, a context in which there's an intention set. Mm -hmm for growth or for healing yep. and there's someone who's leading it who has led thousands of these experiences and also had their own and that's something largely absent from sort of modern life mm -hmm. and um, it's starting to make its resurgence and uh, with the obvious legalities of things it's much harder to to develop that practice in modern life but Fortunately, in some countries, this is still a honored legal practice. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Peru is in Ecuador and, and even in the Native American church here, these are sacraments and within that context of ceremony, you can take them. So uh, the difference, well, first I have to say, you know, my, my just did not vibe with San Pedro. I just... <laughs> I, it didn't work and and i had i had um 
maybe five or six different experiences and did not connect. There was a, there was an element of, of like physically it, I was nauseous the entire time, the entire time for 12 hours, the entire time. And it's so, it was so physically exhausting and nauseating that I couldn't enjoy the elements that were really beautiful about it as they were there present, but I really couldn't, really couldn't fully embrace them because it was so physically hard for me. And uh, the ayahuasca was an entirely different experience for me. It was profound and beautiful and everything about it worked for me. Mm. And I don't know why that is. I think that um, at different points in people's lives, the people who do this a lot, they will be called to do one plant versus another plant. And I think That's, also, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you did um, San Pedro and Ayahuasca in group ceremonies. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, my experience with a shaman, you know, and, and I'm sure actually if I'd done it in a, in a group setting, I would have probably had the same experience because holy shit did I feel nauseous and sick, you know, uh, for quite some time. And if it wasn't for my shaman who knew how to direct me, for one through the nausea, but also helped me out to actually purge, to actually finally get to a point where I was purging properly and getting rid, because in the end, it's just this dark energy you now that wants to come out. Mm. And, um, and uh, I remember like the last ceremony, oh man, I just, I wanted to purge. It just wasn't, uh, my, my soul was holding on so hard to this, this part of me that I was so used to holding on to that, but that was really unhealthy for me and just, um, you know, uh, very destructive. And so I was battling, man, and I was feeling horrible for most of that ceremony. But uh, because I, it was a one-on-one -on -one setting, he made sure that eventually I would uh, be able to surrender mm. and be able to let go and, uh, and purge. And so um, he has a, a big toolbox um, of practices and, and things that he does with you. And, you know, I mean, at the last resort, he just gave me more uh, San Pedro to drink. And then that made me vomit. And that usually cleared the air also. But I mean, in many other <laughs> ways, because um, it was only me, right? So his focus was fully on me. And he wanted, right. he's a healer. He's not just a shaman. He is a real healer. And so in that way, I think my San Pedro experience was very, very different than to many other people's um, experience. But I can, I can fully relate because when I was suffering and I was in that place, which is feeling nausea, just uh, it was, it was tough, man. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're almost making me want to go do it again. Yeah, almost. You, yeah, I I'm don't know, <laughs> but it, every time I think about, it, then I'm like, oh, that feeling is still there when I think about it. Yeah, but. Yeah. And, and the taste obviously of it is really really bad and so mm. um but yeah no if you do ever um you know consider um kind of exploring san pedro ever again then i would totally recommend you do it with that guy in ecuador in a one-on-one -on -one setting okay if, if there's stuff to heal um yeah cool um i just remember because we had the chat at uh last year at the workshop and, and you were telling me about um your ayahuasca experience and you were giving me recommendations actually as well to some centers and um and and, and actually talking to you about it also was part of the calling that i got more and more um over the last like i don't know the end of 2017 and eventually in, in december when i was at a, at a pretty low point i was like oh, fuck it i'm gonna do it but then apparently it wasn't time for ayahuasca apparently it was time for san pedro but <laughs> cool um all right, so to slowly wrap up here, um, so with quantum yoga, um, I mean, you were mentioning before that, you know, you, you kind of exploring uh, neuromeditation and all of that. Um, how do you actually, what, what is quantum yoga about? Um, what, um, what does it actually entail? What sort of practices? What do you do? Do you work with clients? Like, yeah. Well, I do a couple of things. So I do a lot of teaching, a lot of group teaching. And most of that is um, the stuff that I really am excited about in that regard is I do a lot of teacher training. So like, so like certified yoga teacher trainings. And when I do those, they're not 
the typical, you know, here's the sutras and the Gita and the traditional texts and we're going to talk philosophy and I'm going to teach you Sanskrit and, you know, basic stuff here and there. What I'm, um, my, I bring in as much science as I can and connect the dots to what is known in the yoga, in the yoga context to science. Because it's, you know, going back to our good old friend, Dr. Joe here, uh, science is the universal language right now, and it connects everyone. And when you speak the language of science, you are not being divisive for the most part. You are actually uh, bridging gaps and, uh, and why disregard it anyways? It's there. And a lot of the stuff's easy to measure right now. So um, I do a lot of measuring, quantifying. I teach people how to read biomarkers. I teach longevity principles in my training that go along with it. I tr cross a lot of different systems together and as I teach this. And so right, right now, what you were making a comment earlier about like on my Instagram feed is I'm doing a 100-hour advanced training right now. Mm -hmm. And this is for just going into the advanced practice. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching people a lot of my own personal practice is how, kind of how I practice and how do you, how do you sort of self-prescribe a yoga practice for yourself on the level of movement, on the level of breathing, on the level of meditation, on the level of lifestyle and behavioral choices and how do you kind of navigate that whole world and here are some tools to do that with mm -hmm. um, and and it's great that you get a certification when you're done that's internationally recognized so that's that's a, a big piece of my work I do see people privately mm -hmm. um, so you know kind of like traditional yoga privates but also health cult consulting health coaching kind of stuff mm -hmm. and um, and the, the teaching thing is going to continue to expand into other arenas. As a, through the podcast that I'm doing now, there's a lot of people outside the yoga community that are interested in the content. Hey, yeah. And they are, there's this whole kind of movement of people that are like they're trained in Dr. Dr. Joe style or they're trained in bulletproof something something or they're trained in the Wim Hof method or they're trained in you know something like this and they're taking these services to people and there isn't really a yoga teacher that understands all of that mm -hmm. and can relate yoga to what they've already learned mm -hmm. and yeah. so here's another tool for you to take to clients so that's kind of the the uh, niche that I'm that I'm diving into, plus the whole neuro meditation thing, I'm very excited about. So I'm rolling that out next month, and and uh, and then the podcast is is really for me. It's a way to keep learning. So I get to interview. It's uh, it's a personal it's a personal research project, Connie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> It's, I, it's, you got to tell the listener, your, your listeners about this. It's so funny because she said to me, she said so, something like, so what, what brought you to this retreat? And I said, it's a, it's a personal research project. It kind of was like, oh, well, that's a really cute way of saying you're a seeker. <laughs> or that you're looking for the truth in life or so, something like that. I thought, that's funny. I'd actually convinced myself of that story, but I guess that's what it was. <laughs> you know, whatever works for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, man, I love it. I think it's, it's, uh, it's, I find it so inspiring, you know, to um, connect with people that are just so passionate about um, all these things. And also, cause you just mentioned it, you know, how the, the bridge between spirituality and science, like for me right now, that's where it's at. That's what I'm interested in. Um, and it's exactly that, that, you know, why, why I find Joe, Dr. Joe so um, inspiring or Bruce Lipton and, and all of these guys. And um, because I think we're both people that we, we're still quite very rational beings and um, we like to understand things and learn and grow and, and all of that and then take all that stuff and then give that to other people and, and contribute to their lives and, 
and um you're like that as well and i think it's it's very it's it's awesome man i'm really happy we connected um like dr joe's and i can't wait to hook up in real life again and uh, i can't wait for some workshops like i totally come and hang out with you and do do some workshop stuff with you for sure well i'll keep you i'll keep you informed i got a retreat couple retreats coming up this year so oh really awesome it works out in your schedule oh man i'd love to come and, and join your retreat for sure um so okay one two little tiny i mean they sound like big questions but they're actually not that big you can you can answer them super simply um to sort of end this now but what does it mean to you to live a meaningful life because this Mm. is all part of live your heart out uh passion has really been kind of a driving thing for me Mm. you know uh if i don't feel passion for something then then it doesn't have meaning and so that's always and that's been you know i'm like it's one of those things where i have to actually think about it because it's really natural for me to just go after what i'm passionate about Mm -hmm. so yeah i'd say definitely having passion for something yeah i feel the same way man that's why live your heart out it's all about right being really passionate about it (laughs) um and then the second one how do you find fulfillment on a daily basis what what fulfills you every day practices or whatever it is people well this is really changing for me recently you know with my daughter Mm, being around yeah and um this is so being dad is kind of uh is a whole new level of fulfillment that I it's like, it's, I don't really have to do much. Uh, she is so that, that she, just being with her and spending a little bit of time is, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and the other, the other thing that's really fulfilling for me is, is, is teaching. And it sounds, it sounds, um, it not teaching the same stuff, but teaching new stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, I kind of figured out a little while ago when I started teaching that, what's the point of learning all of these things if we're not going to share what we learn <laughs> exactly. and it's not going to, like, oh, we're just, what's the point? Yes. And so that, for me, when someone else gets it, mm-hmm. that moment where you can see that they get it, yeah. right whatever that thing is that they're getting that's yeah. really magical and rewarding for me so yeah. that that's kind of what keeps me going wonderful awesome i'm so happy you mentioned this because i totally agree like what 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 what's the point of all of this what's the point of learning and, and experimenting if not to actually pass it on and give value to other people in a similar way cool awesome wow that's been uh a blast thank you so much it's been so much fun chatting with you um and just uh lastly where can people find you i know we've mentioned it um throughout the this episode a little bit but just to summarize where can people find you read more about you connect yeah um really simply you can go to www.quantum.yoga it's so simple it's confusing I like to say that there's no .com or .org or nothing else. It's .yoga. It's just .yoga. And uh, there's a podcast you can find on there for people who want to learn more about the science of consciousness and the human biofield and information about my work and everything else is there. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too. You just, But this is uh, under Jonathan Rickert. Yep, in the show notes. But yeah, definitely go check out his podcast on iTunes or wherever, Stitcher. Check out his Instagram. Uh, Encourage him to uh, fully embrace the social media. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm not really doing it. I'm like, God, we need to have a conversation, Connie. I need to get some tips. I'm like, dang, you got 33 five star reviews on iTunes. How do I get that? I got to talk to Connie. yeah no problem man um cool well thank you so much and um have a wonderful day all right take care i appreciate you (laughs) bye